You guys remember Lemon Party, right? I don't know why, but before I started recording, I had a bug up my ass to check online and see if Lemon Party was still out there. And I want to confirm with you guys, it sure as shit indeed is still out there and it is going strong. Somehow, Lemon Party became a rite of passage in our society, and it is now a fundamental part of the backbone of American culture. If you don't know what Lemon Party is, Google it and thank me later. Hello, Batman haters, and welcome to the Atomic Skull podcast. My name is Matt, and I am in such shock at your responses for last week's Gold Star question. So we are going to start with your swift, severe, superlative disdain for orphan children right up top. You fucking sadists. His parents were killed right in front of him when he was a child, and here y'all are wanting to erase his existence in favor of a couple of fucking tacos in Bohemian Rhapsody. So, let's review last week's Gold Star question in case I have lost anyone right off the bat. No pun. For last week's Gold Star question, I did my first ever One's Gotta Go, and it was between tacos the band queen streaming services or the entire existence of batman i actually thought that tacos would be the one that got zero votes tacos are pretty universally loved but i did have one or two smarty pants listeners reach out to me and tell me that if tacos were eliminated they wouldn't be missed because so much mexican food comes from the same basic idea a type of tortilla possibly some meat, beans, lettuce, tomato, hot sauce, maybe cheese and sour cream if you want to do a white person version. Nachos are just deconstructed tacos. Burritos are tacos in a blanket. A tostada is a flat-chested taco. It all has the same basic principles, and that's not limited to Mexican food either. Italian food is different variations on a carb, a protein, a cheese, a vegetable, and tomato sauce. American food is breading, grease, cheese, more grease, and sadness. I also got one vote for Queen. I can't believe it either. Another one bites the dust, am I right, you guys? Please don't turn this show off. I apologize profusely for that, and I use this term loosely, joke. It's just the fact that anyone would vote for Queen is so sad on its own, and I don't want to bring this show down. I need to keep the mood light. I'm really under pressure. I'm so sorry. This episode is pun for the whole family, so don't Stop me now. Am I allowed to fire myself from my own show? (laughs) I need to move on because I'm annoying myself here. I can't imagine how y'all are feeling listening to this. So the one that got the least amount of votes was streaming services. And I get it. We can't do it without them. And more importantly, we don't want to do it without them. It's true that some of us oldies, including myself, grew up without them, but that just means that I know what it is that I'm missing if I was to give them up. Imagine having to put on pants and drive over to Blockbuster fucking video 
and pay four bucks because for some reason you want to randomly watch Encino Man. But let's talk about Batman for just a minute. So I kind of pulled a sneaky on you guys and I had a feeling Batman would get the most votes. So I'm going to nerdgasm all over your ear holes really quick before I move on to other nerdy things that will probably also make you roll your eyes at me. So if Batman didn't exist, Tim Burton wouldn't have directed his two Batman movies. One was in the late 80s and one right in the early 90s, both which were a huge success. Such a huge success, in fact, that Disney optioned the idea of a movie version based on a poem that Burton wrote years earlier when he worked for Disney about his fascination with the juxtaposition of Halloween and Christmas. Disney owned the rights to that poem, and Burton had this idea to turn it into a stop-motion animation film directed by his friend Henry Selleck, and Disney entertained it only because of how impressed they were with the success of Tim Burton's direction of his live-action comic book movies. So, without Batman, we would have never gotten Nightmare Before Christmas. But wait, there's more. Comic book writer Frank Miller wrote a kick-ass limited edition series called The Dark Knight Returns in the mid-90s sometime, which reignited the popularity of Batman and made Miller a huge name as a comic book author, which afforded him enough money to branch out on his own and give him the freedom to write independently. He would eventually release two graphic novels with Dark Horse comics that became movies. The first is Sin City, which is one of the most badass fucking movies of all time, and do not disagree with me or you will catch these hands. And the second is 300, or as I like to call it, Sexy men with six-packs and leather panties kicking some hardcore ass. The movie 300 turned Gerard Butler into a household name and made him super fucking famous. It also starred Lena Headey, who would get noticed in 300 because of her role as the queen in that movie, would eventually get cast as Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones, one of the most badass bitches in television history. Full fucking stop. All of that if you can believe it, are just a few of the things that weirdly wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Batman. So you think about that shit the next time you're watching P.S. I Love You and swooning over Gerard Butler dancing in his boxers and suspenders right before he dies a painful death by cancer and breaks his wife's heart. Basically what I'm saying is whether or not you're an orphan boy who fights crime, skinny little Nancy Callahan, or a slightly off-putting Hillary Swank in P.S. I Love You, all of us ever really need is somebody to love, and that, you guys, is probably going to be my last Queen reference for the show. Speaking of music, how is that for a fucking segue, you fuckers? I was so excited to talk about the Grammys in general, which happened like a year and a half ago at this point, right? So I'm a little bit late to the party. But I didn't even spend a lot of time thinking about what it was that I wanted to talk about. Music is my fucking thing. Right? So I figured whatever it was I was going to talk about was just going to pop in my head. And I would talk about it mostly on the fly. I would throw down some, you know, some Bon Mots and make a couple of smug music references and boom, there's your fucking Grammy segment. But when I started actually putting pen to paper to outline like the general notes of what it is I wanted to talk about, I realized the hard way 
I fucking got nothing. Harry Styles didn't spit on anyone. Will Smith didn't slap anyone. He wasn't even fucking there. He bailed at the last minute. How am I supposed to land jokes about an award ceremony that goes disappointingly according to plan? I do want to mention three quick things before I move on to whatever the fuck it is I want to talk about next. I don't even know. First, I get so much shit for self-deprecation, but in my head... I see it as me being objective, and as proof positive of that, I am going to do something right now I never do. I am going to congratulate myself for nailing it with all the shit at the Grammys this year. I'm going to do my best to not come off sounding like a pompous ass, but also no promises. I called all the following shit in previous episodes. Lizzo, winning record of the year. Harry Styles, winning album of the year, Kendrick Lamar winning damn near every rap category, Sheryl Crow sang Songbird beautifully as a tribute to Christy McVie from Fleetwood Mac, which I picked as song of the week a while back when she passed, Jay-Z closed the whole show with a badass verse from DJ Khaled's God Did, which was another song of the week from last year that I picked specifically for Hove's work on it. Adele only winning best pop vocal performance because as beautiful as her voice is, I feel like everyone is friend zoning her like I am because they are tired of her singing about the same shit. Adele, I adore you. I promise I do. Just Sing a song about something else. Sing a song about doing the fucking laundry. Sing a song about taking a mean, runny shit. There is a 100% chance you can make that sound beautiful. Just anything else besides heartbreak. I am dying. I apologize for having my head up my own ass for just a minute, you guys, but I was genuinely shocked at how close I got with a lot of that shit. The one thing I didn't see coming was Bonnie Raitt winning Song of the Year for Just Like That. Bonnie Raitt didn't see it coming either. If you watch the video of her getting called, no one was more shocked about her winning than she was. It was seriously a glorious fucking moment. I have said before on the show that most of the time, artists don't give you their best work towards the end of their career, but... Holy shit, man, that song, Just Like That by Bonnie Raitt, is really fucking wonderful. I do recommend you check it out, but I hesitate to make it Song of the Week because it is a total fucking emotional haymaker of a song, and it will ruin your day. It's depressing as fuck, and coming from me, that is saying something. And the next thing I wanted to talk about was the camaraderie with the artists who were there, which is something that I fucking love to see. It's so easy to be pissed off and bitter when you lose to someone at something that you have worked so hard on. But that didn't really happen. And it made me genuinely happy and hopeful for humanity in a weird way. Lizzo and Adele were literally sitting right next to each other and got drunk together. Lizzo and Harry Styles are close friends. They performed together at Coachella last year. Harry does a kick-ass cover of Juice that is fucking great. You can find that on YouTube. Lizzo was jumping up and down and cheering when Harry beat her for album of the year. I read in an article, by the way, just a couple of days ago that people are calling Harry Styles the new king of pop and that Michael Jackson fans are all crying in their Jesus juice about Harry having that title. It reminded me of one of the many stupid, 
useless music facts that I have sitting rent-free in my brain instead of something useful that I'm going to pass on to you guys for no reason in particular. Do you know who gave Michael Jackson the title King of Pop? Fucking he did. He gave himself that title. He faxed a press release to all major news outlets, radio outlets, and MTV, because back then MTV actually mattered. And he insisted that whenever he was referenced in any way for any reason, he wanted to be referred to as the king of pop. I wish that I could just fucking give myself some sort of honorific like that. And then everyone would just refer to me by that title forever. I wouldn't even know what title I would give myself. My beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, sometimes refers to me as the spicy white boy with the B-O-I version of boy. Thank you very much. I think she actually has me as that in her phone. Maybe I should just insist people call me that. I don't know. But hate me if you must. I will say that Harry Styles is objectively earning that King of Pop title. He's got a lot in common with Michael Jackson. He started out in a boy band that did really well. He broke off and did his own thing. He's got killer dance moves, good music, dresses weird. Let's just hope he doesn't have the same affinity for gazing into children's b-holes like he's trying to spot Ursa Major. Anyway, back to the Grammys. Taylor Swift was there dancing to Bad Bunny and encouraging everyone when they won their awards. She and Harry dated for a spell, but they were doing the respectable exes thing at the show, and they were like hugging and catching up, which I thought was very sweet. I will say I'm not sure how deep in the paint the two of them got when it came to dating versus just doing coke and fucking in NYC, which might count as dating now to young people, I don't know. But Beyonce was there, she was just supportive of everyone, which is why she is our fucking queen. However, my favorite part of the show, and I am going to make this the best of the week, was the 50 years of hip hop medley that had fucking everyone in it. I don't always love the Grammys. When you break it down, it's three hours every February of musicians basking in the darkness of having their heads up their own asses. Most performances are like, whatever. But this one was special. True old school New York shit, which is where hip hop was fucking invented. Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, Public Enemy, Pause from De La Soul, LL Cool J, Ice T, and the man who has this week's song of the week, Busta Rhymes. This is going to be a best of the week and a song of the week BOGO because I fucking love Busta Rhymes. He came out and did his ridiculously fast verse from Chris Brown's Look At Me Now as well as I think like half a verse, like half a bar from this week's Song of the Week, my favorite Busta Rhymes track, Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See. That shit was released back in 9-7, but it is still fucking hot shit. It is ready for you in the Atomic Skull podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. I invite you guys to check out that whole playlist. There really is some great music on there that I love and that I think you will love. If you can't find it, reach out to me and I'll be happy to send you the link. The link is also in the description of every episode. So if you want to find the playlist, you can just look at the description for the episode wherever you're listening to it, and you can get the link to the playlist in the description for each episode. If you are in the market for some good shit or new shit, I promise you will not be disappointed. Meanwhile, find that tribute to hip hop from the Grammys. It is the best 
15 minutes you'll spend watching some straight up legends all on one stage doing their best stuff. Big Boy from Outcast did a verse from AT Aliens. Method Man did some Killer B shit. Queen Latifah was the biggest surprise for me. She did part of UNITY, which was her breakout single way back in the day. Are you guys writing all these down? I can give you a second to write all these down if you need to, because this shit is mandatory listening. Too Short did some stuff. Someone wearing a full mask who might have been Missy Elliott was doing some shit. The face and body were fully covered. It could have been Saoirse Ronan for all I fucking know, but it was some Missy Elliott shit. Even Nelly was there doing hot in here. They had fucking everyone during that performance. You could see Jay-Z and DJ Khaled and Pharrell all in the audience rapping along to every word it was fucking awesome i have watched it at least half a dozen times and i'm gonna watch it at least half a dozen more for sure also before i forget can we all chip in and give ben affleck a group hug or let him play with some kittens or give him access to the aids quilt or some other wholesome shit affleck at the grammys had the same look on his face that I get when one of my friends gives me a 45 minute explanation of why they're getting back together with their ex for the third time and how this time is definitely going to work out. If you guys ever see me, by the way, at a bar or a coffee shop somewhere and I have someone that's with me and I've got resting Affleck face, come save me. Or at the very least, buy me a shot of tequila or espresso. Both would be very much needed and appreciated. For worst of the week, while we're at it, I'll knock that out really quick. Netflix is removing Arrested Development from streaming at the end of the month. What the fuck, man? Arrested Development is my all-time favorite comedy show. If you have never checked it out, find it. I'm hoping it will still be on Hulu and watch it over and over and over again. It is three seasons of pure fucking genius comedy and also two seasons of not so genius and not so comedy. But we're not going to talk about those last two seasons, okay? Okay. I always try to explain how the show is so amazing, but I can never sell it right. Here is the best that I can do. It is an ensemble cast. Every episode, every joke, every reference is fucking brilliant. The show is so layered. You can watch it over and over again and still catch jokes you missed the first times you watched the show. There are continuing jokes throughout the series, callbacks and references to earlier episodes and jokes and other characters, and the whole fucking thing is so goddamn quotable. The more you watch it, the more you realize that literally every single sentence that is spoken in the show is a punchline. Fucking all of them. There's not one bad episode in those three seasons. And the late, great Jessica Walters steals every scene she is in. Seriously, you guys, I will fucking come watch it with you. I will never stop watching that show. And Netflix and I are in the biggest fight right now. If I actually paid for my own Netflix account, I don't. I would cancel my subscription until they brought back the show. Or until the next season of Squid Game is released. Until Netflix does bring Arrested Development back, all I can say is there's always money in the banana stand.
All right, I am going to issue a Marvel Ho alert and let's get into the new Ant-Man movie. I know that not everyone is up to date on the Marvel shit and I know that there's a few of you out there who really don't care at all and are being total sports. But one of the best things about being able to do this shit show is that I get to spend a little bit of time talking about shit that matters to me. And I think that's pretty cool. So I promise if this isn't your favorite, if you indulge me a little bit, I will give you some dildo stories in just a couple of minutes that will beat the band. So the story of Ant-Man actually starts before the movie. I saw the movie in IMAX because that is the kind of nerdy turd that I am. If you haven't been to an IMAX specific theater before, it's generally secluded from the rest of the screens in the theater. It's got its own lobby filled with posters of the movie that's playing. Often, particularly on weekends, which is when I saw the flick, IMAX will play repeat showings of the same movie. I understand that my over-explanation might seem a little too detailed and condescending, but there is a madness to my method here. I'm telling you all this because I had a seat in the very back row of the theater, Matthew Kitson rule number 96, sit in the back row when you see a movie in IMAX. Trust me. And I was dicking around on my phone, waiting for that magical moment when the lights go down. This older woman who looked like she didn't even know what planet she was on. She looked like the kind of person who would argue that the fact that you can't see ghosts is proof that they exist. She very politely asked me what movie was playing in the particular theater. I answered her, of course. I'm a dick, but not a jerk. And I started thinking about it after she walked away. She had to have walked by no less than three separate posters for Ant-Man to get to the actual theater. And then on the way in, there was a giant eight foot tall cardboard monstrosity that had Paul Rudd's ageless face on it that said Ant-Man in huge letters that was impossible to miss. Stevie Wonder would have seen that fucking thing. There was no way she could have avoided walking by all that shit to get in the theater. And that isn't even including the fact that she would have had to give a ticket to get into the theater. I was so confused and I couldn't stop thinking about it the entire movie. I still can't stop thinking about it. There are so many questions that I have for that woman that will never get answered. The first trailer before the movie started was the new Fast and the Furious movie. I can't fucking do it with those things. That is yet another thing on the list of shit that everybody likes but me. On one hand, I feel like I definitely didn't spend enough time on the list of things I don't like that everyone else does when I did an episode on that. But on the other hand, I think I'm just old and bitchy and don't like a lot of things. I have seen all of them, with the exception of the most recent one. And I am retiring myself from having to pay to watch Fast and Furious movies. I do not need to see movie after movie of Vin Diesel going on and on about how much he loves family while drinking Coronas. I can spend time with my grandmother and experience that for free. Okay, I went to Ant-Man knowing that it had a low score on Rotten Tomatoes. There was no way to avoid seeing that. And like I said before, I hate that because it immediately bends the narrative for the movie. But also, 
I remember seeing No Country for Old Men when it came out, and the people in the theater literally booed and hissed when the movie ended. I was the only one in that audience that loved the movie, and then it went on to win a bunch of fucking Academy Awards. Meanwhile, nobody fucking booed and hissed when I saw Dude, Where's My Car in the theater. Basically, what I'm saying is that people are idiots. I'm not sure why the expectations for this Ant-Man movie were so huge. The first two were fine. Maybe. They were quaint and adorable, but I didn't really love them. I will probably watch them again at some point, but no rush. Also, I don't fucking like Evangeline Lilly. There. I said it, and it's out there. There's no sociological rule that says I have to have a reason for not liking someone. I just fucking don't. And that is going to bring me to my gold star question for the week, you guys. What famous person do you not like for no reason whatsoever? They didn't do anything to hurt you. They're not a dick. You're the dick. You don't like them. You don't have a reason and you don't fucking care. You just don't like them. Reach out to me in all of the Batman hating ways that you guys always do and throw some dickery in my direction. Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com. At Atomic Skull Podcast, slide into my DMs, subscribe if you have it on the Instagram, and then let's break it down next week. I can't imagine there would be two of the same answer on this one. Back to the flick. Evangeline Lilly didn't even need to be in the movie. You could have removed her completely, and it would have changed nothing. The movie itself was my favorite Ant-Man movie, probably, which isn't really saying a hell of a lot. A bunch of the jokes fell flat, which must have killed Paul Rudd because he is an objectively funny motherfucker. Side note, by the way, if you are in dire need of a deep rumbling belly laugh, go to YouTube and watch the outtakes for the Between Two Ferns movie. Paul Rudd's in it, but there's a shitload of other famous people in it too. And pound for pound, those five minutes of outtakes are probably funnier than the actual movie. Definitely funnier than Anne. Man. It was a little bit ragged part-wise. I can see what it is they're doing, and I can very clearly see where they're headed with the overall narrative, but the movie itself was pretty discombobulated. Michael Douglas was good. I like Michael Douglas a lot, actually. The best part of the movie, though, and I agree with everyone else on this, was Jonathan Majors as Kang. He was fucking awesome. Proof that Marvel movies can give us a badass villain who isn't just mayo on white bread. Majors was great in Loki. He is great in this. I know he's going to be in season two of Loki and then in the next Avengers movie a lot, if you know what I mean. And the way they're shaping the character, there is a bunch of room to play to make it really, really interesting. Overall, you could skip it in the theater. Just watch it when it gets to Disney+. Plus. All right, kids. Open your books to the Dildo Chronicles because I have two things I want to talk about. First, I want to say something to these sloppy drunk, man-hating lesbians who were so fucking rude and condescending to me the other night for no reason other than the fact that I have a penis. Right off the top, hating any entire group of people wholesale is fucking bullshit and needs to be completely wiped out of existence. But also, I kinda get it. I hate men, I hate women, I hate myself, I hate everyone, but not you guys. If you're listening to this, y'all are all right. Seconberg, which is a word I made up right now, I don't care who the fuck 
you want to hate. Don't ever let that stop you from being kind to people who are contractually obligated to help you. I assure you that I want to talk to you as little as you want to talk to me. Let's both do our best to respect the social contract so we can move on with our fucking lives. By the way, you guys, they got shitty ass cheap toys that are going to disappoint them as much as any man in their life apparently have. And I hope they both get yeast infections that are so bad they're technically referred to as sourdough starters. Just kidding, ladies. I'll see you at Pride next year. Here is what I learned working at the dildo store on Valentine's Day. I put way too much time, effort, care, and money into my relationship. And I think I'm just going to fucking stop doing that. So during the day, it was all men who came into the store. Literally zero women. There were none women until the evening. It was all men who had dates that night that were coming in at the very last minute to buy shit for the evening. I'm not often a last minute crunch time kind of guy. I am a meticulous planner. My motto is do it now so you don't have to do it later. But also, I will look the other way because I know some people do things a little better when it's last minute. And guys who are coming in buying rhino boner pills and cock rings and shit, there's nothing wrong with that. They are buying some shit that will help them bring their A-game. Bravo, boys. But also, there was a dude who was looking for something spicy for the evening for his girlfriend. And I totally sold him on something that was really nice until I told him how much it was. And he said, and I quote, I don't care about her that much. I normally would say that he was just doing shtick. But the way he said it, I don't think there was an actual punchline there. And then let me tell you about this dude who was the one that inadvertently convinced me to stop giving two shits about putting effort into my relationship. Women started coming in a little later that day and then into the evening, mostly with their dates, right? I go talk to this couple that I see holding hands looking at lube. Very wholesome for Valentine's Day. There weren't a lot of people in the building at that particular moment. So I struck up a conversation with the couple just to get the temperature of how their evening was going. The dude tells me proudly, I might add, we just got finished eating dinner at Applebee's and we wanted to stop by and check the place out, maybe get some lube, end quote. Right as he said the word Applebee's, his girlfriend, who was a good-looking, nice girl, did that whole side-eye squint thing but didn't even look at him when she did it. She looked away from him with that evil eye. How much worse is it when your girl is not even looking at you when she gives that evil eye? She was clearly not okay with the venue choice for her Valentine's meal. Also, mind you, this dude was wearing sweatpants. He took his girl, who was, she wasn't dressed fancy, but she put a little panache into her outfit. She looked cute. He took her to Applebee's for Valentine's Day, and he wore sweatpants, and not even gray sweatpants, ladies. They were navy blue. I stopped building rapport with them right there because there was no way I was going to say anything encouraging about the future of their relationship based on what I just witnessed. So I just asked them the standard question that I ask everyone when they're looking for lube. Is it going in front, around, back, or both? They 
both answered at the same time, but they both gave different answers. She answered front. He answered both. You guys, the look that immediately was painted on her face when he said both. I think something was going around back, but she was not going to be on the receiving end of it. At least I fucking hope not. I rang them out for the world's cheapest lube, and I swear to you, I spent the next few minutes wondering why it even matters to me to do sweet and romantic shit for Mrs. What's-Her-Name when I could just take her to Applebee's and assume that's going to get me a ticket to ride right up the Hershey Highway. On that note, you guys, I think I'm going to hit the old dusty trail and turn you loose for the week. Be sure to answer the gold star question. You guys have been doing great with that. Particularly last week, I got a shitload of answers and I love it. Follow the show, like the show, subscribe to the show, share the show, tell friends about the show. I am always looking to get more people to join the party, looking for more people to listen and become part of the family over here. Loving the feedback that I'm getting, the conversations that I'm having. It has been great. I can never say thank you enough to everyone who's taken time to listen to me talk at you. I really appreciate it. I do put a lot of hard work into everything. I put my heart and soul into this thing and having a blast doing it and means the world to me that you guys are actually taking a little bit of time to listen to me talk it it really does fill my whatever is left of my heart with something great i don't even know what it is but i feel feelings about it and it's weird but it's also wild and wonderful i appreciate it you guys i really do i will see you guys next week with all the bullshit can't wait to hear from you apologies to my mother-in-law and how are you doing